You ask, we answer. Welcome to Can This Marriage Be Saved, where we go up against common relationship problems and help you determine if this relationship should stay or go. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Can This Marriage Be Saved? This week's topic is on the topic of narcissists and narcissistic spouses, something that's been a topic that for me is long overdue because I've been wanting to address this because so many people are struggling uh, either with narcissistic spouses or they're worried their spouse is a narcissist. You know, how can we put this to to bed, Shlomo? Yeah, so I think that, you know, one of the dangers is people like to be armchair psychologists. And now with Dr. Google, it's very easy to just look online and say, you know what, I looked online to find out what a narcissist is and my spouse qualifies. And we've talked a lot in the past about personality disorders or just any, any type of di- diagnostics and uh, pathologizing. And sometimes it can be used to kind of blame one spouse. Um, other times it can be used as a crutch. I have this thing, I can't fix it. So it's very dangerous when we start throwing out these you know, three-letter, four-letter words. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but... Spouses that are narcissists, I don't think are saying, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about it. I feel like those people don't even know, don't even know they're yeah. narcissists. Okay, so there is, you know, there's official criteria for what is considered a narcissist by the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is what we use to, which we have to use if we're going to file, if we're going to give someone a diagnosis for insurance purposes. Um, you know, I typically don't like to diagnose because if I don't need to do it for an insurance bill, you know, it only serves to make one spouse look like they're the bad guy. Uh, and I understand that there are some severe cases that really do present themselves as pathological and it may seem that there's, you know, nothing you can really do about it. But I think I would say the majority of cases where people claim their spouse is a narcissist, I think that if we can understand a little bit more about what that is, we can work on it. But just to run through some of the, from some of the features of this narcissistic personality disorder, having an exaggerated sense of self-importance, expecting to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it, exaggerating your achievements and talents, being preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate, believing that your superior can only be understood by or associated with equally special people, requiring constant admiration, having a sense of entitlement, Expecting special favors and unquestioning compliance with your expectations. Taking advantage of others to get what you want. Having an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. Being envious of others and believing others envy you. And behaving in an arrogant or hearty behavior. Um, I think that, you know, some of these features may seem like, may not necessarily seem pathological. Um, but the question is, you know, when it really crosses the line is where you, you think, of yourself so highly that you know you put yourself and value yourself better than other people so you know and we have to think about you know how that interferes in your relationship and part of it we do see a lot of times and i think particularly you know not that they're not narcissistic women but uh, i hear a lot about women complaining about their narcissistic husbands the husband's incapable of empathy Uh, so the question is is this something that is pathological or is this something that is just a result of 
they're not knowing how to be empathic or it's just something that you know that we're not taught i think a lot of times you know feelings are something that men are are not so you know from a sociological perspective that it's not something that we're are necessarily a value for men to have so it's not necessarily something that men are good at that's why a lot of men don't like therapy they don't want to share their feelings so we have to you know look at that and perhaps they don't really know how to do it because they didn't have that opportunity whereas you know, women are, it's more acceptable for women to express their emotions and express their feelings. But one thing that we say in, in Mago therapy is that the way that we view narcissism in general is we view everyone as somewhat self-absorbed. And we all, we like to view it as a spectrum. Anything with personality disorders, I always view it as kind of like a spectrum that it's not you're either a narcissist or you're not a narcissist, but you know, everyone has a little bit of that narcissism. Otherwise, we wouldn't stay alive. We wouldn't look out for our needs. But the question is, you know, when it gets to the point where it gets in the way of relationship, and, and that's where it becomes problematic. And the question is, you know, can we do anything about it? And we find that the people who are narcissistic, they, they're usually actually very fragile. They're not just these, it seems like maybe they're these confident people, but really inside they're deeply wounded and they're absorbed with themselves in order to you know, kind of mask that pain. So the example I like to give is, you know, if, if you're hurt, if you're in pain, we may have said this before in one of our podcasts, but I've, I've mentioned this before. Let's say you stub your toe and you're hurting. And you know, I remember one time, actually, when I was a little boy, I was in a locker room and this bench fell on my finger and it, it, broke, it actually broke my finger. It was so excruciatingly painful. I remember screaming and I remember people coming up to me and saying, you know, can I help you? Are you okay? I'm just like, get away from me. I was like, like leave me alone. Like I need, I was so consumed with my pain, I couldn't focus on anything else. And that's what happens psychologically, that we all have a certain element of pain that we have psychologically, certain things we didn't get growing up. Um, now, some people are deep, more deeply and, and impressionably wounded than others, uh, so they're going to have more pain. So even though it may not look like the person is suffering, but on a psychological level, if we're suffering, we're going to be absorbed with ourselves. We're going to think about how can I get my needs met? How can I get safe? How can I get what I want in my relationship? So it becomes it becomes a little bit of a challenge for us in relationships and dealing with an other because for us, the safest thing is to view things from our perspective because that helps us get our needs met. So when we start meeting another person and we start realizing that they see things differently, they view things differently, um, their viewpoint may actually be at odds with ours, may conflict with ours, uh, may conflict with something that we think we need. That becomes very unsafe and dangerous. And we have a hard time being able to validate that and empathize because we take it as a direct threat. So a lot of people that we feel like they're incapable of empathy, it's not necessarily that they're incapable of empathy, but they're feeling so unsafe and so guarded that it's hard for them to be able to differentiate and to realize that you know, I can be safe with another person. I can value someone else's experience. I can value their emotions, even if it's something hurtful that they're feeling about me. I can value that and not be threatened by that, and it's not necessarily going to take away from me. So that's part of the work that that we do with couples, trying to get them to that place where they can come from a place of compassion, to feel safe, to feel connected, to not feel threatened by the other person's you know otherness, and. When we can do that, that brings us out of ourselves and makes us feel safe enough to be there for another person and to be empathic and to 
you know, not be self-absorbed. That but, sounds like a lot of, that sounds like very different than perhaps other strategies, maybe that an individual therapist or something would have with a narcissist, right? Like, what, don't they have more suggestions? Like, you, you know, you have to be tough. You need to stand up to him. You know, I, I mean, someone who's going, whose spouse is a narcissist. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, Mago has a, I feel like what you're saying is remarkably different. Well, it's a more holistic approach. We're dealing with the the root of the problem, not not the symptoms. If we're just looking, okay, this person is self-absorbed, you know, this person is a narcissist, everything they think is about them. I mean, a lot of times people might say, you know, you can't live with such a person. You know, maybe you should leave such a person because in a relationship, you have to be concerned about the other person. And if you're just concerned about yourself, how can you be in a relationship? Um, so, yeah, a lot of people might just say, this is a lost cause. This person, especially if you get to the point where they start diagnosing it as a personality disorder, then you're kind of gone because how are they really going to change? I mean, this person is just so, so into themselves. So, if, you know, they're not capable of being in relationship and there's really nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what I would say is that, you no, know, instead of viewing it that way and from that negative perspective and looking at those symptoms, I would like to explore, you know, what's, causing those symptoms how there was a person really born like that we were all born yes we are born we are born children are self are self-absorbed you know it's like when we're uh when we're having a meal and the first you know we're cutting uh, we're cutting the you know we're distributing the food and one of the kids says you know you know like don't put honey on my bread um, and he's like, that's the first thing he says. I already know that he doesn't want honey on his bread, but like, he's not the first one served. He's not the oldest child. He's not my wife. He's not, he's not you. He's not the oldest child. He's not the guest, you know, but he's thinking about himself and that's normal. Uh, and that's normal for children because, and as we become more emotionally mature, we start to be able to get, get beyond that. But, you know, we are concerned about our self survival. So, you know, that is normal, but, you know, so is a narcissist like almost like a stunted child? Would you say? Uh, I mean, in some aspects, you know, it's a lack of emotional maturity. If a person is self-absorbed, you know, there is a lack of emotional maturity there. And what we're trying to get to the point is enough emotional maturity to realize that I don't have to agree with another person or to be able to be there for them, to empathize with them, to validate their, their experience. I don't have to, we don't, this, this symbiosis that we discussed about, where we just think that everyone is an extension of ourselves, which is a really immature way of looking at things. I mean, it's immature because it's, it's coming from an immature, wounded place. So you know, how do you actually, when you say it's okay to hear them and validate them and empathize with them, how do you actually do that with a narcissist who's, you know, a real bully at times? How, like, can you kind of think of, like, maybe a scenario of, of something they would say? Like, how about I'm going to tell the entire community that you, you know, went off with your friends mm -hmm. instead of being home and cooking for my dinner. I'm going to tell everybody about your lack of mothering. Right. So, so obviously, you know, they're scared. There's something that they're concerned about. And like, we need to dig deeper and figure out, you know, what is that? And it's not something you can do overnight. And I'm not saying just, you know, tolerate. It sounds like maybe we're saying like, oh, you know, just, you know, tolerate abusive people, but um, we're not saying we're that. not saying that. But we're saying get help and get help, get the right help. So, for example, you know, one of the things that I'm going to work with a couple with in this situation is put them in the dialogue process so that 
the, let's say the person, let's say the non-narcissist wants to share what they're feeling, to teach the narcissist how to be able to hear the other person with mirroring back, um, repeating back what they're saying so they can really hear what they're saying and not what they think they're saying, Get, taking themselves out of it. And that's, that's the thing because the narcissist is, again, we're, we're self-absorbed. And we're all self-absorbed to some extent, but narcissists is you know even more more apparent. So, taking themselves out of it and really being present so and, say, for the other give, person. Give an example so, for exactly what I said. Like if you were saying, but you were doing the opposite. You were talking about what the narcissist would say. Oh, let's just say so, I'm. Yeah. Very, so, what would the non-narcissist spouse say to that narcissistic spouse now? Oh well, I mean, you How could just you- mirror back and say, "So, you're going to tell you know you're really you don't feel like I'm being a good mother." And you don't feel like, and you feel like, you, know, you want to tell the whole community about me for what I did, um, and just like let them hear themselves say that. You know, is that right? Yeah. Do they get that? Is there more you want to share about that? You know, that makes sense that you'd be nervous. And I mean, hopefully, if you know, usually with the help of a third part, with a professional, especially in these cases, because it can be difficult to do on your own, with the help of a third third party, what I would help them do is, I would help the you know identified narcissist explore you know why is it bothering me what i'm scared of happening because there's obviously a deeper issue there you don't just yes this is a defense mechanism to to start threatening but you know what is it that they're worried about you know what is it that they need that they're not getting and, and really focus from that perspective this working with a narcissist what is it that you want what is it that you're not getting what are you afraid of what are you feeling insecure about? That's a little um, hard for the no, non-narcissist right. I mean, you're not going to, yeah. I mean, you can't, the non-narcissist spouse is not going to necessarily ask those questions, direct questions. I would help the narcissist spouse, narcissistic spouse explain these things. Um, I wouldn't necessarily. No, but what I, yes. You're saying for I, the other spouse. I was going to say, it's a little hard to hear this, that to almost give the narcissistic spouse space. And one point I think you didn't bring up yet is that, it gives room for the narcissist to, to think about things, but one benefit that it has for you, the person listening who's not the narcissist, is that mirroring, repeating back what your spouse is yelling at you is actually going to help you remove that symbiosis that you mentioned, right? It's going to help you step away, but still being em- empath- empathic okay. without seeing like, you know, you don't care and you're cold. Like actually repeating, say- You're saying protecting yourself? Yeah, it's right. almost, it's it's very helpful also in protecting yourself because you don't engage with them. You don't get into a huge fight. You repeat back what they're saying for their benefit and for yours. Right, because the, the mirroring, it helps the other person feel heard um, and helps them feel noticed, but it also helps protect you so that you don't have to take it personally. Correct. So you can, there can be a part of you telling yourself that, so he just, you know, he's what, you know, it's like, what's, you know, what's his problem? He's going to go threaten me, you know, just because I'm doing some benign thing. You know, that's his problem. It's not my problem. I didn't do anything wrong. Or maybe I, you know, maybe I did something, but it's triggering him. So again, just, it helps you not get wrapped up in, in it because when you, you don't get, say yeah, that. when you get, yeah, I mean, you're not going to say that to them, but when you get wrapped up in these accusations or these, you know, these self-absorbed comments that your spouse is, is doing, um, you actually add fuel to the fire. So, so if you can say it in a way that is compassionate and, and is genuine for you, but just know for yourself. That, will, that it will help you deal with your pain hearing it. And it will also, it will help them hear how ridiculous they are 
but also coming from a place of some, you know, compassion and curiosity that, hmm, like, I know that I didn't really do anything wrong. He's got some issue that he's upset about. I'm wondering why it bothers him so much. I'm wondering why he's like going off the handle uh, and why he's so wrapped up in himself about this issue. You know, let me listen and he, maybe, he, maybe we can explore this. And I can, if I listen, I'll be able to hear what he's really saying. Right, and it, yeah, and it's because so, it's really getting beneath the surface now. And I know there's situations where it really appears that people are, I mean, extremely, extremely self-absorbed. I can tell you though, even people that I that I've thought have been pretty self-absorbed, uh, and people who have whose spouses have diagnosed them as narcissists, they have been able to engage in this process and actually been able to listen in a way that they never have before. So, you know, I think it's very powerful. So as much as it's easy to just dismiss a relationship and just say this person is a narcissist and there's no way to work on it, um, I can tell you that I've definitely seen this process help because what this process is, this is exactly what it's doing. It's even for people who are not, not narcissists, as I said, we are all self-absorbed. It's taking the self out of the conversation and really hearing the other person. Not only will it help the person who's not a narcissist hear the other, the, this narcissistic spouse, but it will help the narcissistic spouse take themselves out of it instead of reacting and really actually be able to make room for someone other than themselves. And that's what that's what's work is about, making room for the other, entering the world of the other, which is so difficult for a narcissist. Um, but it is possible. Now, I'm not saying that they're not, that there's no people that are like so completely narcissistic to that there's they're beyond help. I mean, you know, I can't say statistically how how that looks. Um, I can imagine if someone is not willing to engage in the process. Yes, it is challenging. It's you know what what can you really do if if you don't have a willing partner? Um, and a lot of people are afraid to go to therapy. They don't think it's going to help them or. They don't want to open up. So I realize that there's a lot of blocks getting in the way. But if someone is willing to get help, then I think that's already a good sign that you know, if you have the right tools that you can actually get the help even if you think your spouse is a narcissist. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's topic. We'll be back again to focus on another topic that is sure to help you with your marriage. For any questions or concerns, please email us at info at themarriagerestorationproject.com with best wishes for your relationship success.